We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thirty-two hot takes in sixty-four minutes. That's right. Top training camp issues for every NFL team coming up next on the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Hey, everybody! Welcome to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. It is the first week of five daily fantasy football podcasts starting with nick whalen and myself we will be here every monday we are excited about it uh it's got a lot we got a lot to talk about today we are so happy to do this so we have three awesome sponsors uh big thanks to circa we can't wait to be going to circa again just got back from circa for the rotowire summer conference nick and i'll be going there to kick off their uh, their survivor and pick em contest you'll hear more about both shortly Reality Sports Online and Fantrax. Appreciate them all. And, of course, we're on the Blue Wire Network. Nick and I, we just did some segments at the Blue Wire uh, Studios at the at Wynn Casino in Vegas. Awesome time there. Awesome, awesome time out in Vegas. I feel like I, I always need, like, an extra week to recover after that trip. You know, it was a long, long travel day last Wednesday. Finally got back to Milwaukee. Uh, had a nice little golf weekend with the fellas. Uh, so, so kind of able to reset now. And, you know, we're, we're kicking off our full – podcast schedule for the NFL season. So not only will you hear us every Monday, but you'll hear the rest of the guys, you know, Monday through Friday, we'll be putting out a ton of content during the preseason leading all the way up to week one. And then at that point, you know, we kind of transition to more of a weekly recap pod. Uh, and we'll continue to have that suite of podcasts throughout the year. So it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Can't wait. Uh, should be just a blast. And we're really looking forward to all this here. Uh, so Let's uh, launch into our topic for today. It is 32 takes in 64 minutes. That's right. Nick and I are going to try to confine ourselves to two minutes per team. Mm. This is a nearly Herculean task force. It's right up there with cleaning out the stables uh, as far as like all the uh, doing that here. But we're going to try it nonetheless. So here we go. AFC East, top training camp issue. Who do you got first, Nick? Well, first of all, like you said, we will have to do our best to try to keep this to two minutes. Historically, every time you know we or, or other podcast hosts that, I, that I've done this with have tried to do this, it's very easy to think you're you're being concise, and all of a sudden it's been five minutes. So we'll try to keep this quick. Um, as far as how I went about this, you know, some of them, I would say about half of the teams. I took the AFC, you took the NFC. I, I kind of posited a question and then have some kind of sub points beyond that. But 
you know, in general, we didn't structure this too much. It's one issue. It's one, one thing pertaining to fantasy, one thing pertaining to the upside of these teams that could make or break the season. And we'll start with the AFC East and I'll start with the Miami Dolphins. To me, this was pretty obvious, Jeff. It, it's just can to stay healthy. Right. And, right. you know, I, I think the concussion issue is one thing. I mean, the, the, the other injuries that he suffered are another, um, you know, we, we talked a lot about this during the, during the season last year, toward the end of the year, it's like, yes, in some ways, everything kind of resets in 2023, but you know, if he has a concussion week three of this season, all of what we went through last year is going to be dredged back up. I think there's still the accumulation factor with Tua. And obviously we saw what this team was when it was the Skylar Thompson show uh, instead of Tua. If Tua is healthy and plays 16 or 17 games, I think this team could win the AFC East. I think they have that much upside. I think they could be one of the best and most well-rounded fantasy teams in the entire league. So, you know, it's a little bit of a softball to start out with, but I really think that's the obvious question for Miami. Absolutely. And his status obviously dictates everything else on this team too. Mm-hmm. You know, Tyree kills a first round player with him. He's maybe not without him. Uh, right. Jalen Waddle is definitely hurt by a lack of Tua. If that happens mm-hmm. here, uh, we do have job battles. Uh, we'll watch that a little bit there. The running back position, yep. Dalvin cook might still sign with them. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, but uh, what do we make out of that running back uh, spot? We'll hold off on a deep dive on that. I think it is really right. all about Tua. So absolutely agree with you on that one there. Yeah. Um, how early are you willing to draft Tua? I'm I'm not really a big Tua guy in no. general. I haven't I haven't been grabbing him. I'm doing a ton of best balls. So our friends at Underdog were uh, courteous enough to you know give us some promo cash. I've been hammering those. Just started another one earlier this morning. I don't have any Tua yet. Um, None. You know, we'll see. I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll grab him at some point. Uh, but I, I just haven't done it yet. I, I, I'm still kind of scared off with the with the injury risk. But the, the numbers are really stark. And know Warren Sharp had a great tweet this morning uh, of where you know the Dolphins ranked in a bunch of key passing stats with Tua, without Tua. It's it's that Massive. stark, right? And the, the one thing we should mention is they do have Mike White, right? So it won't be you know if Tua does miss any time this season, it shouldn't be as dramatic as a, of a fall off as it was last year, where it was just clearly night and day for that offense. Um, so they have a higher upside backup, uh, but but at the same time, you know, he's still not Tua. And then you briefly touched on this. We won't get into it. We have no time for that. But uh, I, I did have a note on the running backs, you know, for, for as great of a of an offense as this is, we're excited about all the playmakers. I mean, Mostert and Jeff Wilson were 25th and 30th, respectively, uh, in PPR running back rankings last season. So I think we think of this as a, you know, Mike McDaniel running offense. They have all these options. They add A-chain. Uh, but, you know, what does that mean for fantasy? Right? It, might, it might be a good running offense, but are any of those guys going to be a top 25 fantasy back this year? I don't know. Yeah, uh, I want to be all aboard the A chain, but I don't think it. You know, it might be difficult to do. Uh, I was going to make a Mike White, Mike White Lotus joke, but we're going to move on because we're out of time. What's next? We are. Let's go to the New England Patriots. Is Mac Jones the guy, and how long of a leash will he have this season? And you know, the latter part of that sentence is what I'm most concerned about, right? Because last year it, it was the most unpatriots-like thing of all time to to kind of have this midseason quarterback versus offensive coordinator versus head coach versus backup quarterback controversy. You got fans, you know, chanting for Bailey Zappi in a primetime game. Like these are not things that happen to the new England Patriots. Like this is, this is commanders. This is Jaguars. This is Texas behavior. This is not the new England Patriots. And and that Pat's mystique, you know, it feels like every year since Tom Brady left, it's kind of degraded and degraded and degraded. Can the Patriots recapture that? Can Mac Jones, you know, solidify himself as this quarterback? Do we get to week nine and are there saying people still saying, eh, you know, they took this guy in the first round, but I don't know if he's the guy. Uh, beyond that, a couple of quick points I'll bring up. Juju Smith-Schuster, Devontae Parker, these are their guys at receiver. Is that a good enough one-two duo in the modern NFL when it feels like every team has a really good premier receiver that you feel good about? And then I think something that's gone really undercovered right now is Mike Kosicki 
in New England. Uh, he was yeah. tight end nine, tight end nine in total value two years ago in Miami. He was just not a good positional fit with Mike McDaniel, just completely fell out of favor. I think we sniffed that out early on last season. He's not in a, a fantastic position in New England. There's going to be competition for snaps. But again, this was a guy who was a top 10 fantasy tight end two years ago. Can he recapture that? Agreed. Uh, big, big questions, questions there all around. Uh, big, big loss in not getting DeAndre Hopkins, getting outbid by the Titans, who uh, we'll I don't think anybody that. thinks, and we'll get to them, but I don't think anybody thinks that they're a playoff contender this year. So, you know, it, it's, or at least a Super Bowl contender, maybe mm-hmm. a playoff contender in the mighty AFC South, but who knows? Uh, let's move on as we tend to do here. Okay. Next in the AFC East, mm-hmm. what do you got? We'll save the AFC South for last, by the way. That is by design, uh, okay. as some listeners of the, the pod may have guessed. Uh, let's go to the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, it, to me, this, this the Bills have the most pressure on them of any team this season. This is a Super Bowl or bust season for Buffalo. It kind of felt that way last year, but the fact that they didn't even, you know, make it to the AFC title game, I, I think, adds even more pressure to this team. And, you know, I, I think like Cincinnati, you know, they're, 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 these are two teams in similar situations. Like that window is going to be there as long as you have the star quarterback. But there feels, seems like there's a little bit more unrest, uncertainty with this Buffalo team. Uh, I think this is the year they have to get it done. Fantasy-wise, you know, Dev, Devin Singletary's out. You know, they, they have some some new blood. We'll see a lot more James Cook uh, at running back. But to me, uh, one of the biggest questions is this receiving room beyond Stephon Diggs. And we could, we could do right. a whole two minutes on Stephon Diggs, but – this is kind of the post-hype Gabe Davis season, right? I mean, there's a lot of Gabe Davis love going into last year. I was guilty of it. I was all over him. The boom weeks were still there, but there were a lot more down weeks than we expected. They didn't really do anything to, to shore that up. I mean, he's still expected to be that number two guy. You got Khalil Shakir, but after that, there's really nothing in that receiving core in terms of proven commodities. So Buffalo's kind of running it back and expecting more out of Gabe Davis this season. Yeah, are are you buying into uh, Kincaid being the guy that takes extra targets and becomes maybe the second option at some point in time? I don't know if he could get to the second option. I, I like Kincaid a lot. You know, one of several rookie tight ends who I think could could make an impact. I mean, much needed infusion of talent at that position for fantasy this season. Uh, but I, I I'm not really you know buying him above ADP at this point. If anything, I mean, I'm buying back in on Gabe Davis. I mean, I was I was reaching for him. I felt like last year. You know, I mean, now he's going around Gabe Davis. That's right. He's like, he's like wide receiver 41 in NFFC leagues. Yep. Yeah. And maybe that's, but that's the thing is he is boomer bust. He is. He is really that guy. Uh, So I I expecting him to do anything more is probably expecting too much. You know, the NFFC last year, we could draft after the Thursday night game and have your stats banked for that Thursday night game. And he went up way up after that game. Mm -hmm. I might've been guilty of that. Oh, that was the Rams game, right? It was, it was indeed. All right, last team in the uh, AFC East, the Jets. What's their issue? The New York Jets. I, I have several issues for, for yes. the New York Jets. I think this is a, a high upside team. Of course, a much higher upside team than last year. First and foremost for fantasy, when is Brees all 100%? Is he 100% for week one? Is there a, a kind of startup period for him? Even if he's back for week one, do they introduce him slowly? Is it a J.K. Dobbins situation where... They say he's 100%, and then he doesn't quite look 100%. He takes a week or two off and comes back and is in and out. Uh, you and I talked on the radio last week with Alan Soslowski, and uh, yeah, I think we were kind of on the same page with maybe we need to pump the brakes a little bit here with these second-year running backs coming off of a serious injury. You know, Javante yep. Williams in Denver, we'll talk about him later as well. So to me, fantasy-wise, that's the biggest question. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers brings a, a much, much higher floor and a much higher ceiling to this passing game. How much does he elevate Garrett Wilson? In general, the optimism seems to be very high on Garrett Wilson, but I think the biggest question mark for this offense is 
you know, is this the worst offensive line of Aaron Rodgers' career, right? I think a lot has been made about the, the skill position upgrades. You know, Brees Hall's healthy. The running back room looks great. The receiver room is really deep. Uh, I think the defense should be really good. Again, Sauce Gardner, you know, has, has already established himself as a top three corner in the league. But, you know, if Kai Becton can't hold up, if this offensive line, you know, is a downgrade from what Rodgers had in Green Bay, I think that's what could ultimately be the downfall of this team because they're in a really, really competitive division, right? I mean, that that it's a pretty big question to say, eh, this, this might be a bottom five to seven O line in the league. Yeah, it was last year, but it shouldn't have been, I, but they had all those injuries. Becton's a huge right. key to that there. It reminded me every time Bakhtiari went down, it seems, seems like that was an issue there for him in green right. Bay, not as extreme perhaps as it is here, but definitely worth watching there. Uh, yeah. I think uh, it's going to be watching. And then of course there's the Brees Hall question too, uh, about what, you know, when's he going to be ready? We're going to go more than two minutes on the Jets. Sorry, unfortunately there, but um, I mean, that I know there was a note that just came out today saying he expects to be ready for week one, or but it was more of a he he was quoted as saying this in the past sort of thing there yep. too. So we're kind of waiting to see what happens at training camp. That's one I'm definitely watching. Absolutely. I mean, you got to remember, Brees Hall was essentially on pace to be the rookie of the year before he went down. So I don't, I don't want to pour water on that. Like I love Brees Hall, the player. I just I tend to be more risk averse in these situations. I mean, running back to me is it's really deep this year, much like receiver. Uh, I mean, he's going off as RB twelve right now in NFFC draft since June 1st. I mean, I, I think given the risk profile, I, I would take someone like ETN over him. Um, you know, I, I, even Aaron Jones, who I know is going like 10, 10 picks later. I, I think he's become really underrated. We'll talk about him when we get, when we get to green Bay, but um, yep. you know, taking Brees Hall, you know, inside the, you know, his, his min pick right now in NFFC is 16. Like that's wild to me. Yeah. I, I, and the thing is a fully healthy Brees Hall could be a first round player. I mean, there is that upside. Oh, no question. No question. But man, it's just so difficult. And, you know, this is another team that's been rumored to be flirting with Delvin Cook, too. So, yeah. you know, obviously that's one linchpin we haven't yet seen yep. him and Zeke. I don't I don't think Zeke moves the same the no. needle as much. But honestly, I think Cook could be just as cooked as uh, Zeke. I don't know. Um, I wasn't even trying to pun there. I just Man, that's, two, that's two puns. You're two for two now and through one division. <sighs> yeah, I know. Right. I got to keep rolling here. All uh, right. NFC East. NFC East. Hey, what do you know? Dallas is next up. Tony Pollard era. Um, are you buying on the price? We talked about this a little bit. Uh, he's RB seven since July 1st in the NFFC. A lot mm -hmm. of good news coming out of OTAs and minicamp. Uh, you know, they have, we'll find out in about, uh, two and a half hours, whether or not any long-term extensions go for players on the uh, franchise tag that Dallas has already mm -hmm. said that they're not going to give him their long-term deal, but he has also said he's, he's also signed the tender. Unlike right. Saquon, unlike Josh Jacobs, uh, yep. we got a, we got a question. Uh, okay is are you paying rb7 price for tony pollard i'm willing to do it you know where i stand on tony pollard i i yep. love tony pollard and you know we, we should mention he's coming off of an injury you know to, it's a bone injury as opposed to you know a ligament like Brees hall so you know to, to me I, I think there's a little bit uh less caution that needs to be taken there i mean when you consider who he's going around i mean he's basically going like one pick ahead of josh jacobs one pick ahead of derrick henry on average in nffc drafts i'm pro derrick henry again that's another player we'll talk about later i, I yep. think we're we're praying a little too early uh, on his downfall. Um, so I, I would take Tony Pollard, you know, somewhere in the RB seven to nine range. Um, you know, his mid pick is 13 max pick 34 in NFFC. I'm totally fine with that. I, I think things are trending in the right direction for this Dallas offense. Obviously we need to see a Mike McCarthy play calling season, but before we fully judge, do here, we though, do we really need to see we've this seen it in the past? We, we have seen it in the past. We, okay. we certainly have. Um, but you know, this is what we've been asking for for the last two years, right? Is Tony Pollard in this situation? You know, and we, we finally get what we want. And, you know, I, I don't think we can complain now that, that now that it's happened. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. Um, I just 
I tend to be the guy that fades injury. Uh, I I tend to be injury pessimistic, if you will. Uh, And this is certainly a situation there. Like you probably won't see me getting Brees. We were talking Brees Hall earlier. You probably won't see me drafting Brees Hall in a lot of places. You won't see me drafting Javante Williams in a lot of places. You probably won't see me draft Pollard in a lot of places, especially now that the price has gone to second round pricing. Uh, in the, I know in the wild, wild west of uh, Jan- of like March and April and May drafts, you saw him go in the fourth or fifth round sometimes. Uh, yeah. I'm just probably not doing that. All right. Okay. New York football giants, Saquon Barkley. You know, we're going to find out, the, you know, in mere hours, whether or not he's uh, come to an agreement on a long-term deal. Uh, what recourse the Giants have if he doesn't sign the franchise tag or they don't come ter- to terms of the deal, what recourse he has, that's going to permeate over all of Giants camp. It is going to be the yep. overriding question. It's going to be Lev Bell-esque if he doesn't sign. It is. I think that's the best comparison. Um, and it's really difficult. And, you know, I think we can kind of compare and contrast Barkley and, and Josh Jacobs. And again, maybe we'll have news on this in the next few hours. But, uh, you know, there's more pressure to be on Saquon Barkley because of team context, right? I mean, the Giants yeah. finally got things moving in the right direction. Daniel Jones gets his money. Saquon wants his money. And, you know, it feels like obviously without Saquon Barkley, this is a completely different team. If he if he goes as far as Le'Veon Bell and sits out the season, I, I don't think the Giants have anywhere near as much upside as they did last year. I don't think they could take that next step as a franchise. So I think there's a lot riding on, on, on the team kind of doing right by Saquon Barkley and doing what it takes to get him in camp. I mean, fantasy-wise, he's going pick 14 and a half right now in NFFC, just behind Jonathan Taylor. I think if we get good news on Saquon, he probably flip-flops when Taylor becomes the RB4. But he's got a lot of ground to make up, you know, to, to pass B. John Robinson for that RB3 title. So in terms of like how that contract, if it gets done, affects his ADP, I, you know, he's going to rise a few spots, but I, I think he's going to kind of settle in in that RB4, RB5, no matter what. So I'm taking Taylor over him. I'm taking Bijan okay. over him. I'm taking Chubb over him. Ooh. I might take Henry and Pollard over him too. Okay. Uh, because I had, and this is, I, I'm pretty pessimistic. I think this is going to go into, you know, uh, I'm, I, we'll get to the Raiders later, but I think that's even more dire of a situation. Sure. But, I mean, I think I, at first I thought, oh, this he's got a good relationship with the team, the coach, the good vibes on this, the table and all that. I mean, the stuff that's come out lately is very acrimonious sounding. So maybe I'm just a little chicken little here. So we'll see. But yeah, right now I'm moving him down a couple of spots for sure. Yeah. Um, late second round is where I'm looking at before I take him. All right. Move on on to the Eagles. Very hard to find like a, a dire issue for this team. It's, you know. Everybody expects them to be the top team in the NFC or the Niners, and it's pretty clear it's those two. Uh, so for me, it's the job battle, Swift and Penny. I, yep. it, and the thing is, I don't think it gets resolved in the training camp for the preseason. I don't think it gets resolved in week one. In fact, it might not get resolved. It might be this game is a Penny game. This game is a Swift game. Yep. This, you know, we'll see. You know what? How many games Penny gives us? Also, for that right. matter. Um, and I, I don't think they get rid of other guy other running backs on this team no. either i i think how so how are you handling the philly running backs is how what i'm going to pose to you i've avoided it in best ball honestly i i don't think i have any of these guys yet um you know rashad penny has always been an injury risk i think he's looked fantastic basically mm-hmm. every time he's been healthy but you can't count on that um and you mentioned you know you alluded to Gainwell and boston scott i mean they, they, they love having the, this depth right and, and yep. they're not afraid to use that depth i mean this is not a team that i think wants to have a single bell cow running back. And then they have four guys who they trust in this rotation right now. So, you know, I, I think Swift and Petty to me are kind of in similar zones, you know, two guys who went healthy have looked fantastic. 
uh, but you can't necessarily trust them to stay healthy. Um, I, you know, we're, we're, we're picking nits with what I think is probably the most complete team in the NFL right now. But as far as the running backs go, you know, I'll, I'll take one of those guys late in the draft. I'm not targeting any of them. Um, the other question I have is, you know, are, are AJ Brown and Devonte Smith, you know, can they be like Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison, you know, both top 10 receivers in fantasy last year. Can they continue to be that for the next three to four years? I think they can be, uh, yeah, I go, I think they can be chasing Higgins, you know, and sure. I think there'll be one week where it's one guy more than the other. And I think sure. that'll get a little frustrating at times, but, uh, you look at the overall sum of stats and I think you'll be pretty pleased. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more note, uh, on the running backs, uh, Penny is RB 39 right now. Swift is RB 23. Now it's full yeah. point PPR in the NFFC. Scott Fishbowl. I that you get a quarter point per carry and you get a point for first downs also. Ooh. So I think Penny in that format has a little bit more value. I took Penny in the 10th round in that draft. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that checks out. Um, you know, obviously DeAndre Swift could be a little more valuable in PPR. He's going in the Cam Akers, Damian Pierce, Rashad White, Miles Sanders range. Um, you know, to, to me, I think that's just right. Like Miles Sanders versus DeAndre Swift, I think it's going to be a really, really interesting ADP battle over the next month. I agree. All right, let's move on to the commanders. Uh, Washington commanders, Sam Howell, can he can he up, uphold or, or support a, a legitimate offense when you've got Terry McLaurin, Jahan Johnson, uh, Curtis Samuel, you got two running backs, Robinson and Gibson. They, I mean, there's no safety net. Your, your, your backup is yeah. Jacoby Brissett uh, and Jake Fromm. So there is no real good pivot here. So can Sam Howell be that guy? What sort of trust do you have? Uh, it's, it's such an incomplete grade for me, right? I the, yeah. the, the commanders, uh, to me are, are very similar to the Atlanta Falcons in a lot of ways where it's like, I, I really like a lot of these pieces. You know, they're, they're not, when, when you kind of run through and say like, man, who, who are the best offensive groups in the league? It's like, you know, Falcons and, and commanders are not two teams that come to mind, but then you, you head over to roadwire.com and you look at the depth charts and you're like, man, McLaurin, Dotson, Curtis Samuel. I, I like that. Uh, obviously Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, you know, ended up being a, a pretty solid duo last season. And I think Atlanta has even more upside at those positions, but you just say, okay, you know, can Sam Howell support this? Can Desmond Ritter support this? And I don't know how you could say confidently one way or the other, right? I mean, last year was, was not exactly, you know, an audition season for Sam Howell. He's going to get every chance that he has. I I will push back. And, you know, you said there's no safety net. I think Jacoby Brissett's the ultimate safety net, right? I mean, every year we come in just kind of joking about this guy. He always ends up on some bad team and he always ends up playing pretty well. So you know, I, if it comes he down played to Sam okay. Howell, let's not overstate hey, it. Look here. at some of the advanced numbers, man. He, he was a better quarterback than Deshaun Watson for the Browns last season. Well, that's true. Um, yeah. I, I'm just saying if Sam Howell, you know, busts out uh, in, in a bad way, you know, the first four or five weeks of the season, I, I don't think it's like a lost year all of a sudden for McLaurin. The question is if Sam Howell's decent, if he's an average quarterback, like how high can McLaurin climb? Because I, I think he's somebody that we'd be talking about as maybe another level up in terms of pure receiving talent. He just has not had the quarterback play at all thus far in his career. That's true. That's true. I, I mean, he's still I, top, I, top 15 fantasy receiver last year. My Our buddy Chris Listit came out with a snarky 150 and said that oh, McLaurin boy. is on the Allen Robinson career path here. So, he is. Uh, he really is. Uh, we'll see. I hope that's not right. But, uh, yeah, I, I hope Hal's good. But, you know, yeah. they threw him into the fire in week 18 when he did. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to relitigate right. uh, Riverboat Ron not knowing that no. he could not make the playoffs. But I just did. So, I suppose. So, there you go. But, uh, I, you know, with a full training camp, full uh, season listed as the starter, we'll see how things are a little bit different. But, you know, a fulcrum guy because, you know, he, he could very well drag down Terry McLaurin or he could lift him. We'll see. Yeah, he absolutely could. Uh, should we go to the AFC North? Let's Please, let's do that. All right. Let's start with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, one of my, my favorite teams to evaluate this year. And I, I think this might be – 
the best division in football, top to bottom. Um, you know, you yeah. could kind of, I, I really like Cincinnati and, uh, you know, it's a shame that, uh, you know, I was given the AFC, so you, you can't really, you know, go off on, on your Bengals, but I, I think every team in this division improved or, uh, you know, at least stayed the same in Cincinnati's case. And that's a good thing when you're, you know, top three or four team in the NFL, Pittsburgh to me, you know, I, I think maybe we could lump them in with Atlanta and Washington. At least we got uh, essentially a full season of Kenny Pickett last year. So we have a, mm-hmm. a better evaluation point, but he's one of those guys too, where it's like, I love the rest of this roster. You know, Deontay Johnson, even with shaky quarterback play last year, continues to be a target hog. I think there's some major TD progression coming for him. As long as those targets sustain, obviously everybody loves George Pickens. I'm a huge Pat Fryermuth guy. Anytime I wait on tight end in the draft, he's the guy I'm trying to get later on. Uh, I, I think this team has a higher ceiling uh, than a lot of people would expect. If Kenny Pickett takes even a small step forward, right? I think he was, I better, he was, he was better than people gave him credit for, especially towards the end of last season. He, he's not, I don't know if he's one of those guys that we could see make like a, a Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow type of jump. I, I don't know that he has that talent level, but I also don't know that he has to get there for this team to be really good. Um, the question is, you know, can he improve and did this team improve enough to, to keep pace with a team like Baltimore that I think will be one of the most improved teams in the league year over year. A lot of people love Cleveland. Uh, obviously Cincinnati is going to be a playoff or a Super Bowl contender, I should say annually uh, at this point. So a, a lot of upside with Pittsburgh, a lot of questions, certainly. Uh, and the, you know, you mentioned Allen Robinson, can he just be a passable number three? You know, I, I think the, the days of like, can Allen Robinson recapture the guy he was four years ago? Like last year proved pretty definitively that that's probably not happening, but can he just be, can he be their Tyler Boyd? Good questions all around. And you know what? I, I think you know, as uh, Goodfellow points out, they did improve their offensive line, which should help too. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, New England, uh, they're, they're, they're in this trap where, you know, you, you spent a first round pick on Pickett, uh, but it's not like, he, you know, you're so overly enthused that, hey, we got to go roll with him here. We get we got to go this route. But at the same time, like what other alternative do you have? How else can you get good quarterback play? Right. There's not really an improvement out there. And you're kind of once you spend a first round pick on a player, you're kind of committed to giving him the three, four year shot. Um, yep. Very rare. You see Arizona gave up, give up on Josh Rosen right away. But rarely do you right. see that happen at the quarterback position. So very interesting spot to be in there. Yeah. I mean, you have to be, you know, kind of an astronomical bust to be a first round pick and be given up on right away. And like Pickett, I think already played well enough in year one that he's going to get that leash. Now you, know, you, you can make, you can make the Mac Jones argument. I think their rookie years were very comparable. And then obviously mm-hmm. um, you know, Mac Jones kind of lost grasp of that job, but you know, is Mitch Trubisky taking it from him? Is, is Mason Rudolph taking it from him? No, I don't know. And it's not like there's some other, you know, there's not some Rudolph like still there. That's crazy. He's still on the depth chart, uh, according to the good folks at Rotowire. So I, I assume yeah. so. He uh, looks great in camp. Remember those? Oh, sorry. Oh go ahead. Don't even, don't even, yeah. I, I don't remember that. I've, I've cleaned that from my memory. Uh, let's go to Cincinnati. Uh, to me, you know, you mentioned Philly, and it's it's really hard to poke holes in that offense. I feel the same way about Cincinnati. Um, you know, to me, it's can they take advantage of, I wouldn't say a closing window, but a window that's going to be different after this season because Joe Burrow counts for 11.5 mil against the cap. In 2023, that number jumps to 29 and a half mil next mm-hmm. season. So absolutely, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about you know the extensions that are coming or maybe not coming uh, for 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 someone like T. Higgins. Obviously, they're going to lock up Jamar Chase. You know, they bring back Joe Mixon. This could be his last year there as well. Uh, so I, I think you know for Cincinnati, that window is going to be open as long as Joe Burrow is there. But this is that 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 final year where it feels like okay, things might things might change going forward roster wise. Like this this could be their best opportunity to win the Super Bowl this year, depending on what happens with those receivers. Absolutely. Hard choices abound for the Bengals coming up here. And they already had to make some, you know, Bates is gone. Uh, they, both starting safeties are gone for that matter, in part because they need, they are keeping their powder dry for, for Burrow, 
Chase and probably Higgins, maybe Higgins. We'll see about that one. That's going to be a big storyline there. In Mm -hmm. fact, pay attention. Joe Mixon just took a big, big, big pay cut um, to restructure his contract. That is going to open things up. I think they get one extension done here uh, before the season starts. I think it's, uh, that's one of the hidden stories there, I think. And uh, maybe not even hidden. It might be in plain sight. Uh, but yeah, and the other thing is uh, Mixon's still got some uh, legal issues perhaps to litigate there. The menacing charge, he's got a trial set in August. So something to watch there, see if there's yeah. a suspension forthcoming. They didn't go out and get a free agent running back. Cook and Elliott are still available. So that's still a possibility, but... You know, we'll, we'll watch and see that one. So, yeah, you're right. Otherwise, though, it's, and, they, and they improve their offensive line, too. They went yeah. out and got Orlando Brown. We'll see what happens with Jonah Williams. He asked for a trade. They said, no, you're not going to get traded. We want you at right tackle. So yeah, we'll this see is what the happens NBA, there. pal. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, it is most certainly not. They do n- least amount of power in pro sports, I feel mm-hmm. like. Maybe hockey has less power but for the players. But anyhow, let's move on to the next team. Let's go to the Baltimore Ravens. Yes. Lamar Jackson in a new offense. Bringing in Todd Munkin, does does his running actually reduce? I, I'm skeptical. I don't think it does. Uh, you know, we'll see how much they're, they're willing to open up the passing game. I think this is pretty easily the best wide receiver room that Lamar has had uh, since he's been in Baltimore. You, you got a healthy Rashad Bateman. You bring in Odell. You draft Zay Flowers. And, and even like, you know, Duvernay and Aguilar as your 4-5, I think that's fine. If those guys are your 2-3, that's not ideal, but but having those players as your depth pieces, I think, is really, really strong. Um, you know, the running back room, they, they basically brought it back. They're running it back from, from 2022. J.K. Dobbins' health, uh, I think, is going to be paramount uh, when you're talking about that group. But, uh, you know, one thing that I, I found kind of interesting as I, I combed through the, the Ravens is, you know, Mark Andrews went into last year as very clearly the tight end, too. And, you know, by the end of the season, that was not really clear, right? And I think you have more talent at the wide receiver position, some other ascending tight ends behind him can he firmly reestablish himself as the second best tight end in football behind Travis Kelsey? I think that's a real question. I think you're right about that. I think that was so without Lamar for such an extended period of time that I I'm less concerned about him, but maybe the gap has narrowed. Like I I think you could do a Hawk and lock, uh, put him as, as pretty close, a healthy Kittle. uh, And we're going to get to their issues, the Niners issues and how that affects Kittle too. Uh, but I, I think he's pretty, he's a little bit closer. And then there's some Kyle Pitts truthers still out there, which we will also discuss. Um, yeah, I I think these are all issues that uh, we're going to have to pay close attention to, uh, as a Bengals fan, I did, I hated the Munkin, uh, hiring because I'm a Bengals fan and I think it's going to be great for Baltimore. I think it's not just going to be a good hire. I think it's going to be a great hire. Uh, I don't think Lamar's going to throw for 5,000 yards or whatever he's claiming this week, but. At the same time, I, I think it's going to be very beneficial to this Baltimore's o- offense here. All right, let's finish out the AFC North with yes. the Cleveland Browns. This might be the most obvious question of, of all 32 teams here. It's Deshaun Watson. Can he prove that he's still a superstar, right? right. I think last year you could come up with a, a litany of excuses for why he didn't play well. We, we know what those are. We don't need to relitigate them. Those excuses are off the table this year, right? Yep. They're, they're, nobody's going to be hearing any of that. He's you know coming in. Starting week one, there's not this long waiting period. There's not this drawn out legal process. There's not, you know, kind of worrying about his perception. Like things like that tend to fade right or wrong. Um, You know, we've seen it with plenty of other players who've run into legal trouble in the past. It it seems like the biggest deal in the world at the time. Two, three years later, if you play well, it all fades away. Deshaun Watson has an opportunity to to be the next guy on that list. And I I think we're going to know pretty quickly, right? I mean, it's easy to forget just how dominant this guy was. Top five quarterback in the NFL, no question, uh, during that final year with the Houston Texans, all of that, you know, kind of faded away last season. He looked like a completely different player. And, you know, if that carries over, if he's struggling week one, week two of this season, 
I mean, Cleveland is, is going to be in a really, really tough spot here. I mean, it's hard to, to overemphasize just how much of a shell of himself he looked like at the end of last season. I think in general, there seems to be optimism that he's going to get back to the player that he was, but it's, it's a, a huge, huge question mark to me. And if he is, this is a Super Bowl contender. There's no question about that. You know, I mean, there's they're still probably, to me, the second or third best team in their own division. But if Deshaun Watson's the fourth best quarterback in football, that completely changes the calculus. Yep. Uh, encouraging note, he ran in every single game. You know, yep. minimum a floor of 20 rushing yards per game. Uh, and and uh, definitely, uh, uh, you know, potential for a lot more. Only one rushing touchdown. Even though, but even as good fantasy passing games, the three touchdowns against the Commanders, uh, the the finale against the Steelers where he, he threw for two touchdowns. Even those had some gray linings, though. I mean, he only was nine for 18 in the game against the Commanders with some comically bad throws that he was lucky didn't get picked off. Uh, you know, I, I think one of the touchdowns was kind of one of those fluke touchdowns, too. The Pittsburgh game, two picks. Uh, you know, these, these are things to worry about a little bit there. Uh, and I And I think weather is something to kind of keep an eye out here for. Even when he was on the Texans. Remember, they... they Cleveland has these horrific windy games, windy and icy games. Yep. It's the wind that's the real problem there, too. There was a Texans-Browns game when he was still with the Texans that was like Stone Age is bad. And it right. was, you know, this is when he was at his peak, before all the allegations came out, all, yep. the, all the charges, not just allegations at this point. All, everything came out. Uh, this is when he was, just, uh, you know, chip on his shoulder wanting to leave the Texans but playing hard guy. Uh, and he had a horrible game that game. So... Late weather, late season home games. Yep. Can you even succeed in Cleveland? I, it, it's something that I'd be concerned about a little bit. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And you know, last thing I'll say about the Browns is again, I think we're going to know pretty quickly, you know, which version of Watson we're getting. Four yeah. of their first five games come against the Bengals, the Steelers, the Ravens, and the Forty ers Wow, front loaded schedule there for sure. Yep. All right, let's go to the NFC North. A very much a changing division, maybe a change in the guard division. We'll see about that. But let's start off with Chicago. Who starts a running back for this team? They have three now. They have Deonta Foreman, who they signed. They still have Khalil Herbert, and they drafted uh, Johnson as well. So I, I ask you, Nick Whalen, which of these Chicago running backs do you want? I want Deontay Foreman, man. I, I, I really like Deontay Foreman. Um, you know, I had him in a lot of leagues last year uh, you know, in Carolina, and obviously that, that team, team context has changed. I wouldn't say he's in a better situation necessarily. Uh, you know, he's going about, what, two, three rounds later, that Khalil Herbert, uh, you know, Herbert has always flashed when healthy. You know, I, I think he passes the eye test for sure, especially when you're talking about, you know, that, that lesser tier of running back. So I get the appeal there, but Deontay Foreman to me, whenever given the opportunity, uh, I feel like he's kind of proven that he is a starting caliber NFL running back. And maybe he's not a, a top 15 back in the league, but there's 32 starters for a reason. And, you know, this was a, a incredibly productive back at the college level, really unique body, yep. you know, to, to be able to move at that size, kind of a Derrick Henry light in some ways. So, uh, not ideal, you know, having to compete with Herbert, having to compete with Roshan Johnson, who they added in the draft. They, they did add Travis Homer as well as a depth piece in that running back room. But Foreman is a guy for me at cost. At Jul from July 1st on, they are Herbert's RB36. Foreman is RB46 or 37, 46, and 50, respectively, for the yep. three running backs. So all very affordable. Just a question. Of, and you don't, but the problem is, you don't want to. This is not a handcuff situation. This is a lottery ticket situation. You yes. want to get one of them and hope it pops. You don't really want to have a stranglehold over the Bears' backfield because it might actually be a timeshare. And that, that's the worst case scenario. But I will say, if one emerges, you want that because mobile quarterbacks are the best thing for a running back. Uh, maybe not at the goal line. I'll take, I'll, I'll right. grant you that. 
but you find swaths of land to run through there when you have a mobile quarterback. So I think it's very important to pay attention to that. All right. I like the Bears generally, too, for their offense. I think they're going to take a big step forward. Detroit Lions. Everybody's happy, fun team. Everybody loves them again. Uh, no hard knocks this year, but no. I want to ask you, I, I'm going to be watching a little bit about two situations here. I'm splitting it in two, splitting the baby. David Montgomery's okay. mystery injury. Uh, and how much is that? Is that is, we don't really know what that injury was yet. Uh, how severe is it? It could be a complete nothing burger. Uh, but him splitting carries with Jameer Gibbs is obviously a big issue. And I also want to see how do they work in Jamison Williams after he comes back from his suspension? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Jamison Williams question is so interesting, right? Because he has yeah. one career catch, one career touchdown, right? And so it doesn't really feel like um, you know, we, we have a, a, a read on him. But, you know, the scouting report coming out of Alabama was this guy's a home run hitter. And, like, literally the only sample that we have is a home run. So I, I feel like that even just that one game, that one catch, uh, it was kind of propelled you know, the, the same hype that, that the, the kind of you, know, you want the unknown as opposed to the known commodity. And it right. still feels like he's unknown, but we have the, you know, the, the one very small sample of you know, kind of a, a preview of what a lot of people thought he could be. Now, I, I have not really grabbed Jamison Williams. I think I have him at the, uh, you know, at the end of like one best ball. You know, the suspension to me really clouds things, um, right. but they obviously need him, right? I mean, this is not a, a super deep receiving core. I mean, they, they have Marvin Jones back, but beyond that, uh, you know, there, there's really nothing. I mean, Josh Reynolds, obviously you have Amon Ross St. Brown, as the number one. So he's coming back into a really good situation. I don't think he's going to have to like all of a sudden, you know, earn his snaps or anything like that. But I, I, I just, you know, when you can already cross a player off for X number of games, uh, you know, and then you have the possibility of injury on top of that, that really cools the optimism for me. And then, you know, on Jameer Gibbs, like love the player. Um, I, I didn't really have as much of a problem with it as some people did as far as where they drafted him. I think, especially once they rounded out the rest of their draft, uh, it made a little more sense in hindsight, but he's gone as high as 20 in nffc leagues and um yeah i know last year was a really unique overall not rb20 by the way yes. right the overall pick yes and you know he's going closer to pick 40 in general which I, I think makes sense but you know taking a guy like that over a proven commodity like aaron jones a proven commodity like joe mixon he's going ahead of kenneth walker he's going ahead of jk dobbins like I, i'm pumping the brakes a little bit uh, uh jameer gibbs and, and look if, if he explodes as a rookie um you know i guess i'll, I'll be behind the train on that one yep Let's move on to Green Bay Packers. Nothing's happened here. We can move. No. Uh, okay. Uh, the Jordan Lear love era has begun. Mm-hmm. There's been some fuzzy, nice, warm things coming out of Packers camp being said about him. Are you buying? I, I'm buying that he could be a, a fine quarterback. I, I will say I am not buying that. You know, the, the one throw that everybody brings up with him was like the, I think he had like a crossing route to Christian Watson. Yep, that Watson the then took like 40 yards on his own for a touchdown against the Eagles. Everybody's like, whoa, hey, Jordan Love. I'm like, I think 90% of quarterbacks in the league make that same throw. Um, I, I, I'm willing to, to you know, kind of hear out the Packers on this one, uh, mostly given their track record of developing quarterbacks. I mean, you have to remember, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, when he sat behind Brett Favre and came in, it was not like he was instantly MVP Aaron Rodgers by any means. You know, it was really his second year as a starter when he started to see that, right. that leap. So I, I think if we're, if we're judging Jordan Love on, like, is he a star, yes or no, right away, I think that's unfair. Um, and I think we have to keep context in mind. Um, but in general, I, I think this team has become underrated. You know, I think they're, they're the fourth best odds to win the NFC North. I still think they're a better team than Chicago. I think, you know, we'll talk about Minnesota in a second. They were quite literally the luckiest team in NFL history last year. I think they take a step back. So, um, you know, with, with Green Bay, I'm willing to hear out the optimism on Jordan Love. And, and as I mentioned a couple times, Aaron Jones is somebody I've been drafting a ton in best ball league so far. I think his ADP is, is, is significantly lower than it should be. I've got some concern because Rogers leaned on him in the red zone a lot. And I don't know if Jordan love does the same. 
I, I guess, I mean, where, where else does he go though? Right. I mean, if Christian, Christian Watson to me is, is kind of a home run hitter as we talked about and that, that yeah. could be a very good thing. It was a great thing last year, but I, I don't know that he's proven he could be a number one possession receiver. You know, it's like Romeo dubs is not somebody you're throwing a jump ball in the back of the end zone. You know, they're very unproven at tight end. I, I think, you know, it's Luke Musgrave, the rookie uh, who's, who's probably the favorite to start. Um, AJ Dillon is like one of the worst short yardage backs in football, despite his stature. Um, right. You know, he is, he's, he's the he's new Ron Dane. Hey, wait a second. All right. Hey, now. For. Shot um, across the bow. In, in many ways, he is. Uh, that's actually not an unfair comparison whatsoever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think in theory, it's like, oh, yeah, you're, you're inside the five yard line. Give it to AJ Dillon. Yeah, they've tried that the last two years and it hasn't worked. So I, I get the the pessimism on Aaron, on Aaron Jones, but um, I also think they get back to using him a little bit more as a receiver. I, I think he's one of my more underrated veterans uh, in fantasy right now. Minnesota Vikings. Alexander Madison is now the starter. Is he the next really good feature back or is he uh, someone of, of a, a lesser nature? I, I made the, the Amos zero way comp. Uh, oh boy. Yeah. But I, I know that's evil uh, to do that, uh, but uh, no, it's probably not fair. But my point is, can he handle my, my question? I should say not point is, can he handle a full-time load on a week to week basis? I know he's looked good in spots. I sometimes yeah. think these guys who are longtime backups do look good in spots, especially if they're coming in in relief later in games. And then, you know, they, they're coming kind of running into some good hitters counts here. Right. No, you're right. I mean, it, it's the, the thing I've been saying about Madison all off season is like, yeah, on a per game basis, it's like, yeah, of course he should be able to handle that, but we just haven't seen it. We haven't had to think about him mm-hmm. in this context because it's so obviously been Dalvin cook. And yes, it feels like Dalvin cook is always banged up, but he's missed fewer games than you think over the last few years. So there's, there's not like a huge sample of Alexander Madison, like you know, starting six games in a row. It's kind of been these spot starts here and there. Uh, I will say, you know, where he's going right now, RB20 in NFFC leagues, you're getting him around pick 65. I think that's a totally fair price, right? I don't think there's been over-optimism on Madison. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I, I see, you know, RB20 is about my range. I, I think that's about where I go. I, as you alluded to though, I think that the Vikings lived a gilded existence until about the last couple of weeks of the regular season. And of course the yeah. playoff game, um, I mean, what happens if things turn sour and they're like playing from behind? Is he going to be that pass catcher? Are they they're going to be in another situation there? Because I, I think it's going to be a harder time for them all around this year. Well, they, they were also 26th in yards per attempt, 27th in yards per game last season. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not like he's playing behind this fantastic running offense, right? I mean, they were a team that kind of relied a lot on uh, Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson. I, I don't think that changes this year. So yes, he's in a much better situation just as a default RB1, but uh, you know, he's not walking into like the 49ers offensive line here. Exactly right. All right. We're at the halfway point. Uh, Got to give share a little bit of business with our listeners here. First, from our friends at Circa, get ready for more millions guaranteed. The biggest pro football contests in Vegas are back and bigger than ever with $14 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. Enter in Nevada, play from anywhere. Two ways to win and no rake. Play Circa Million. Make five picks against the spread each week with 100% payback to players. Grand finale winner takes home $1 million. Last place takes home a $100,000 booby prize. With quarterly and full season payouts, $6 million is guaranteed. Join Circus Survivor to select one team each week straight up with no repeat selections. If the team loses or ties, the entry is eliminated. Each team can only be picked once in a season, so do some mapping out before the season starts. Go 20-0 or be the last person standing to win it all, $8 million are, is guaranteed. $14 million in guaranteed prizes overall. Visit CircusSports.com for details. 
We just came back from the Circus Sportsbook and in, in Casino uh, and had a great time there for our annual Rotowire Conference. Nick and I will be broadcasting the weekend of August 24th and 25th live from Circa to help promote those contests. We're excited about that. Also, speaking of broadcasts, we also did uh, some broadcasts from the Blue Wire, beautiful Blue Wire studios at the Win. Um, we are proud members of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. So thus, we're going to play their ads right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, thank you for your indulgence with that. Nick, what division are we hitting next? We're heading to the AFC West, Jeff, and we are going to start with the reigning Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. All right. You know, to me, for a team that's this good and feels like could win the Super Bowl every year for the next 10 years, uh, it's a little strange to me that they have a pretty glaring question, and that to me is, can they get away with this wide receiver by committee approach? Right? There is yeah. no true number one receiver or really anything close to that uh, on this roster right now, you know, we thought maybe they would be the DeAndre Hopkins team. They they were never really it felt like all that serious of a contender for Hopkins. You know, obviously he's now in Tennessee, and there's not really anybody else out there uh, who would make sense to bring in. So, 
Uh, you know, the top KC receiver off the board right now in NFFC drafts is Canarius Tony at wide receiver 35. I mean, that is wild. You, you have the best quarterback in the game, you know, arguably the best quarterback ever, and your best receiver is the 35th receiver in fantasy. So yeah. it's somewhat of a it's somewhat of like a post-boss, you know, Brady Patriots approach where you, you kind of trust the continuity, you trust the quarterback to raise the level of all the wide receivers. And of course, you know, what I haven't mentioned here is they have one of the best tight ends ever in Travis Kelsey. So you could get away with that, you know, when, when your when your tight end is as dynamic as Kelsey, but still a little bit strange to, you know, see a team that has a quarterback like Mahomes, you know, not really go all in on surrounding him with the best possible talent at receiver. It's amazing. Not not only that, but they don't have like a best possible talent at running back either. I mean, usually you have like, okay, you got this elite Corvette of an offense and you got the running back, you got two receivers and a tight end. They're all scrambling to draft, trying to build stacks to involve. No, it's Mahomes and Kelsey. And then you're just like, okay, yeah. eight ball. Let's go here. I mean, uh, let, let's, yeah. let's go all signs point to Rasheed Rice this week. Uh, 37 wide receiver, 67. He's their number three receiver. 67. It's crazy, it's crazy man. It really is. And I, I think if nothing else, it just speaks to how insane Kelsey is. Right. I mean, that it, yeah. it just seems it doesn't matter. It's like, all right, well, Mahomes and Kelsey try to stop it. Nobody's been able to do it for the last five years. And, you know, Kelsey's getting up there in age. He's somebody who is, you know, had a long college career, was injured early on, didn't really become, you know, capital T, capital K, Travis Kelsey uh, until much later than, than some star tight end. So I think he's older than you realize. He hasn't really been in our lives as a superstar all that long. And, you know, at some point you think that fall off is coming. But, I mean, there were no signs last season that he's anywhere close to that cliff. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, that's we'll see. I want to watch Tony. I want to see Rice, see yeah. if they emerge. Uh, I guess Sky more, but I'll, I'll, he's the least interesting to me of the three of those wide receivers. But uh, yeah. let's move on. Let, who, who do we got next? We have the Denver Broncos. Um, I mean, I could do we could probably do 20 minutes on, on questions for the Denver Broncos. That's right. Uh, yes. you know, we, we talked to Javante Williams. I don't know what else there is to say here. I mean, it's just it's just a massive question mark. Right. And if he's yeah. not ready or he's not 100 percent. It's Samaje Pirine time, and there's not a whole lot behind that. You know, do they add more depth? Do they add Dalvin Cook? I think if they add Cook, that means that they're maybe not that confident in Javante Williams. If they hold off, then I think we have to take that as a positive indication as far as where Williams is at health-wise. Um, but if Javante can't get healthy and they don't add anybody else, I mean, they they might need to recapture that like mid two thousands, like Mike Anderson, Orlandis Gary magic, where they could just it seemingly turn anybody into a productive running back. So big time questions there. Uh, this feels like a, a big prove it year for Jerry Judy. Right. And, you know, I, mm -hmm. I think he has, there, there are kind of two paths here where it's like, all right, if, if Russell Wilson gets things turned around, if Sean Payton can kind of get that moving in the right direction, it would not shock anybody. If Jerry Judy was like a top 15 receiver, probably toward the latter end of that, given how much talent is at the top. Um, or I, I think he could kind of go down like the Juju Smith Schuster path, right. Where it's like, he's a bigger name than he is actual production wise. And this feels like the year that we're going to get that answer. Uh, agreed. Uh, it's a prove it year for Russell Wilson. It's a prove it year for Cortland Sutton. Um, it, it's prove it all around. I know you took Sutton yeah. in an FSWA draft, FSGA. I forget which yep. of the two organizations. Yeah, FSGA conference draft. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, and you know, I kind of like Tim Patrick as a late flyer for that matter yeah. too. Sean Payton is a wild card here. What can he do uh, to kind of resuscitate everybody's value here? Uh, I, I think it is a kind of a wipe the slate clean sort of year. Now, yep. granted, they, they don't have a whole lot of cap room. They, their line might be a problem. They had massive offensive line issues too last year. I don't yep. think people realize how bad the injuries were there. Uh, so that might be a little lining for optimism if they're healthy this year. All right, what do we got next in the AFC West? 
Uh, the one thing I'll mention quickly on Denver, by the way, is like, you know, I, I think Russell Wilson was such an obvious one that I didn't even really write it down, but uh, right. he's not winning. He's not winning any sort of power struggle with Sean Payton, right? Like if they go, if they, if they win six games this year, it's on Russell Wilson. It, there, there's not going to be anybody saying, oh man, this is Sean Payton's fault. So I think we need to be clear about that. Russell Wilson had yeah. one year where he could blame the coaching staff and he already, he already burned that one. So it's all yep. on him. This he's year. used that card. Exactly. All right, let's go to the Chargers. I think this is the team that I have the most notes on. So I'll try to run through some of these as quickly as we I can. We might go two and a half minutes here. Yeah, right. 201 here. Uh, play calling <laughs> under Kellen Moore. How much does it change? I think yeah. there is room. There is room for huge touchdown progression for Justin Herbert this season. I think last year, I mean, if it, this is a team that was like top three in, in basically all the volume stats and you know the, 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 the per completion stats, the touchdown stats were way, way down. I think all that probably rises almost by default this season. I mean, that was the, that was like kind of the low bar. I feel like for Justin Herbert going forward, they were 28th in yards per completion last season. And yet they were 11th in passing EPA, extremely high volume, extremely low results. <laughs> they were not that different than like what Tampa was doing as an offense. Like if you look at Brady and Herbert last season, they were a little more similar than, than probably Herbert would like to admit. Uh, the chargers were a well below average red zone team last season. Dallas was by far the best red zone team in terms of conversion rate, touchdown rate, in the NFL last year. We'll see how much of that translates coming over with Kellen Moore. Uh, as I mentioned, I think a, a lot of passing touchdown progression for Justin Herbert. And now you know you have Quentin Johnston, a guy who early in the draft process was considered a potential top 10 pick. They end up getting him later in round one. To me, really high upside insurance policy for Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, who have kind of become like the Kawhi and Paul George of the NFL, where it's like, <laughs> yeah, if they're healthy and, and engaged, they're arguably the best receiver duo in the league. But it just feels like that's not really even a possibility at this point. Yeah, I know. Right. It, it, it's, it's like communism has never really worked because it's never been done properly. Okay. Well, that's fine, but it's not yeah. going to be done properly. Uh, yeah. Deep cut there. Uh, but uh, <laughs> let's look at a little bit at, I want to kind of dig into uh, Allen and Williams a little bit more because I, I'm fading Keenan Allen at ADP. Yeah. He's wide receiver 17, which is a downgrade from where he was before, but still puts you smack dab in the, like the beginning of the fourth round, very, you know, late third, early fourth, in, at least in the NFFC, which is full point PPR. I, I, I'd rather take Kamari Cooper. I'd rather take Jerry Judy. I'd rather take Calvin Ridley. Um, at least three. And I think you could make a case for Drake London, DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin too. I'm just, I, I, I just don't see the tough touchdown upside. I know he had some productive games after he came back, but the risk just seems so high for me. Uh, look, for me, it's just about injuries. Like, I, I actually think there is a lot of touchdown upside, and he's somebody that I'm almost scared not to draft because it's like, all right, if, if the if the injuries reverse, I mean, he played 16 games two years ago. He played 10 last year, and, I mean, honestly, it felt like he was only healthy for, like, four of those. Mm -hmm. um, like, I, I think he could still be really productive. I think he has one more really good season in him, but it's just if you're taking him inside the top 30 and he plays 12 games, you're, you're just going to get burned really badly. So I'm with you. I'd take Cooper over him. Judy versus Allen, to me, is more of a debate. Uh, you know, I think like Calvin Ridley versus Keenan Allen – is really interesting as well. But I, I will acknowledge there's a ton of upside here. It's just at age 31, you know, a guy who's just seems like he's perpetually banged up. It's always a, a hamstring or something every single week. Right. I just, I dealt with that too much last year and I want that off my plate. One last note on the chargers. Can they get anything out of the tight end position? You know, they, they've just been a, a very average to below average team in terms of tight end production. You know, we love Herbert. We love how much they're slinging the ball around. Uh, you know, they have not had a tight end finish inside the top 12 at the position since Antonio Gates in 2016 you know it's just been a lot of like 20 to 25 overall for Gerald Everett maybe he's just not that guy talent wise but if there is all this touchdown upside yardage upside like I'm saying there is for Justin Herbert how much of that can trickle down to the tight end in a league where and on a team where they Austin Eckler exists and is going to just take all the red zone work I say yeah. no 
I don't, I, I don't, you know, Everett was fine as a fill in last year at times, yeah. but you, I, I don't think there's much beyond that. I think he, yeah. he is replacement value. Um, let's move on. You know, we, we squeeze, you know, we're going to expand, we expanded the chargers so we can squeeze the Raiders. Such a disaster. Let's talk about the Raiders oh, now. Oh man. Yeah. We already talked about Josh Jacobs and, and what's going on there. I don't think there's a lot left to say there. Um, this to me feels like a team that's destined for like a midseason blow up. Right. And they kind of mm-hmm. had that last season and I don't think they really did anything to eradicate those concerns. Uh, you know, the question that I had written down is, is Devonte Adams a Raider at the end of the season, right? Like couldn't, couldn't you see this team starting like one and five Devonte wants out. Uh, they're almost forced into a corner where they have to, where they, you know, kind of have to do right by the player. And then he's traded at the deadline. Like, I don't think that's that crazy. You know, I'd have to look into some of the money stuff and all that, but uh, Devonte Adams, I don't think wants to be a Raider. This is not the Raiders team that he signed up for. He specifically wanted to play with Derek Carr. Derek right. Carr, uh, as you may know, Jeff, is now with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, so I, I just think this is a team that is cruising toward a, a cliff that's almost unavoidable at this point. First six games for the Raiders, Denver, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, the Chargers, the Packers, and the Patriots. So it's not an overly loaded schedule. Obviously, you don't feel great about the Buffalo game. Can they emerge from that stretch 3-3 three and three to begin the year? I don't think they can. I don't know. I, but, you know, if they – like if they can't beat Denver week one, you know, if they, if they can't beat at least one of, you know, Pittsburgh, Green Bay, New England, like these are winnable games early on that if they don't win, I think it's really going to push this team toward an uncomfortable position. Bottom five home field advantage in football too. Uh, yeah. We saw last year, they started getting to the point where people are complaining about selling tickets to Niners fans. And it was at least half Niners fans. Now, granted it was the season was over. They had bench car at that point in time, yeah. but point remains, it's a, it's not a native town. You know, it's not like it was, rabid fan base they they host the Steelers a team that travels really well I mean come on you know the Chiefs are just going to flood that place you just know this is going to happen so going to be interesting to see what happens there with them but I think that you know I I think that's this is falls in the predictable disaster zone I did I on Beeson I talked about putting them as as an under uh, on their season total win total bet Uh, let's move on to the NFC West which everyone thought was going to be the killer division last year Fate had a funny way of intervening. I hope it doesn't do the same in the AFC North this year, but uh, let's start with Arizona. When does Kyler return? Cool. I know there was a report uh, saying Kyler wants to be back by week one for his knee from his knee injury, but the reporter in question even said that's going to be a bit of a stretch. Yeah. It's the biggest question easily for this team. Um, you know, I, I would also say it doesn't matter when Kyler Murray returns, right? I mean, certainly it matters yeah. for fantasy. I don't know that their trajectory really changes. I mean, it says a lot that the win total right now is four and a half. Over at the yeah. DraftKings Sportsbook, I think that would certainly imply that Kyler Murray maybe is not back for week one. Um, if he is, that's great for Marquise Brown. Uh, to a lesser degree, that's great for, for guys like Rondale Moore and Greg Dorch, who were okay in deeper leagues last year. Um, it's just, I, I just, again, I don't know that it matters. This feels like kind of a gap year for Arizona. Uh, you know, they, they, they do have the Texans pick next year. Uh, so you, you kind of have that in your back pocket. There's not necessarily that. Uh, impetus to, to tank per se, especially when the number one prospect is a quarterback and you kind of already have a quarterback in Kyler Murray, but uh, it, it's a, it's a strange place to be for Arizona because, you know, it, it, it feels like they're in a rebuild except for quarterback, right? Yeah. Uh, there, there are not many teams that go into that position where um, everything on the roster needs improvement except for your quarterback. And, you know, the, the questions with Kyler Murray to me are more about commitment off field stuff than his actual talent or his fit with this team. Right. Right. Uh, I just, I don't know how, if is he going to be able to run, uh, and you know, no D hop now, uh, they right. didn't add any significant, uh, talent to the roster. If you look at, you know what they did, I mean, they did draft a receiver in the third round and, uh, the kid out of Stanford, I guess that qualifies. Uh, but you know, this was the team that was shedding, not adding. 
Uh, they did add a, uh, you know, yeah. a good offensive lineman in the draft. That's, that is a positive. I'll grant you that. Uh, but, you know, we're talking about a team that, you know, just let D-Hop go for nothing because they couldn't work out any sort of trade at all. They have the same running backs as they had last year. Uh, yeah. Hollywood Brown, Rondale Moore, we're going undersized, undersized to start off. Uh, I'm, I'm underwhelmed. Yeah, big time. Big time. Uh, for the most part, I've been staying away from James Conner as well. It just feels like kind of like a poisonous offense that I, I don't really want a piece of. And, you know, he, he's the the entrenched starter. So at some point, you know, obviously, he's going to have some value. But mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's not somebody I'm excited to take. It's somebody I will take when I'm trying to build depth. But, you know, I'm not going into a draft like psyched that I got James Conner at pick 75. Right. Let's move on to the Rams. I am uh, going to be watching the health of both Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford here. Cup yep. missed OTAs, but he said it was he's fully healthy. It's just because he was on paternity leave. Uh, so, but we'll see. He's working his way back from a horrific ankle ankle injury, um, and then of course Matthew Stafford working his way back from the neck injury. Yeah, those two are, are tied at the hip, right? I think if if Cooper Cooper Cup is healthy and Matthew Stafford isn't, you know, I think we 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 kind of see parts of what happened last season. If Stafford's healthy and Cup isn't, uh, then you know, I think I think you kind of have the the same net results. Uh, you know, Cooper Cup, if healthy to me, is somebody who you know, could almost be a league winner. I think you, mm-hmm. know, you just remember back two years ago, just how unbelievable that season was. Uh, at the same time, like, does this team still have, you know, like, I wouldn't even say Super Bowl. Like, do they have, like, NFC divisional round upside, even if those guys stay healthy? I think you're relying so, so heavily on that combination. To me, I'm almost more worried about Stafford. It's like, even if he is healthy, is he still the same guy? that he was a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, Cam Akers, who felt like he was on the verge of just being off this team, really was on the verge last year. Um, all of a sudden, he's back entrenched as a starting running back. There's just not a whole lot to get excited about on the rest of this roster. You lose Jalen Ramsey. Aaron Donald is 32 years old at this point. Um, another team that I – wouldn't, I wouldn't put him in the Arizona category because there's a lot more upside and still a lot more talent on this team. But they're, they're very top-heavy, and that's how this team has been built the last few years. But they, they've right. just kind of shed some of those elite pieces. Like, they're top-heavy, but they, it feels like they only have, like, three blue chippers left. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey's gone. They're trying to right. shed salary, but they, they're precious little depth. Remember, they, they've, you know, pawned away a bunch of their draft picks. So, right. you know, they, they you know, you're looking at – if something happens to Stafford, Brett Rippon is your backup, unless it's Stetson Bennett. Um, you know, at, at Cup, it's like Van Jefferson, Ben Skoranek. We saw him last year. Demarcus Robinson, Tutu Atwell. Yeah. Puka Nakua, who we saw getting drafted in the Rotowire Vegas League. Um, interesting. He had a good OTAs. Fast learner. Yeah. Fifth round pick out of BYU. Uh, let's, uh, I, this sounds like a lot of noise. You can see why people are taking Higby and getting, like, thinking he might get wide receiver two reps, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I'm probably not that optimistic. Uh, let's move on to a team which does have huge aspirations. That's the Niners, but they don't know who their quarterback's going to be. It, it's, they have, you know, 51 man roster. It's awesome. Yeah. But then you're debating between, you know, between a guy who is the Mr. Irrelevant and Brock Purdy who did well, but he's coming back from a massive injury. Uh, now we'll have like scattering reports on him. Trey Lance and Sam Darnold. I mean, I, I I'm still blown away that Trey Lance is considered a bust in this league and he's barely ever played. He's barely ever played. And it feels like he, he might not even play that much this season, right? I mean, I have no idea where yeah. this is headed. And, you know, every the, the funny thing is, like, everybody's still saying all these great things about Sam Darnold. Like, we've seen that, right? I mean, he, he's, a, he's a capable fill-in. I, I think he's kind of just heading down, like, the, the mid-career Andy Dalton path, where it's like, if you need somebody to, to hold you over for four games, he could probably get you to two and two. Uh, but not somebody I'd be excited about starting for a full season, uh, especially if I want to win the Super Bowl. So, to, to me, it feels like Brock Purdy 
if healthy, is, is going to get that first crack. But um, mm-hmm. I, I think he, too, still has a lot to prove, right? I think there's a big difference between coming into, I would say, a no-pressure situation because, you know, obviously, that was a team that, when he took over, still wanted to continue on the path that they were going and, and maybe would have had he stayed healthy. But, um, you know, now, now he's coming in year two. He's not just some random, you know, seventh rounder who feels like a good story. There are real expectations on his shoulders. So, uh, I mean, kind of insane to me, like you said, that this team is considered probably the second Super Bowl favorite in its conference. And we truly have no idea who's going to be the quarterback, not only week one, but you could tell me any of those guys are starting like week nine. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it, it's mind blowing because it's such a good roster. Otherwise, uh, that I, I think that you're, you're looking at a, just, you know, a really good situation to step into, but like yeah. George Kittle, I mean, he did right. so much better under Purdy than he did under the any other, other quarterbacks there. I mean, that that's mm-hmm. like massive. I mean, he took off once Purdy took over and, yep. That's something there where like, I'm going to be watching that one closely. I mean, it, it really, his status, he could be tight end too. Yeah. You're talking about Mark Andrews earlier. Uh, I mean, it could be Kittle. I mean, he's got the talent, obviously. It's just, do we, do he has the reps? Is he asked to block? Um, th- these are things that are really concerned about there. And, uh, you know, it, it, big linchpin decision here. Yeah. Yeah, I would throw as, as some more minor points, you know, Debo Samuel, can he kind of recapture the, the same optimism that we had going into this past season? He's going off as wide receiver 16 right now. Um, and, you know, obviously he was banged up at times last season. They were a little more careful, it felt like, with the workload. You know, adding Christian McCaffrey reduces some of those gadgety packages they like to use him in. But, uh, you know, I, I think the emergence of Brandon Ayuk has also taken some of the pressure off of him, right? I mean, yep. Debo Samuel regressed last season. Brandon Ayuk continues to get better. He's going into year four now, coming off of a 1,000-yard eight touchdown season with some quarterback issues mixed into there. Um, so maybe there's kind of a, a meeting point there where, where Debo stays a little bit healthier, but does that offset the ascent of Brandon Ayuk, who I think has become one of the more underrated receivers in the league. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. One more team in the uh, NFC West, and we'll take care of a little business. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks, they kind of galaxy brained us here. They drafted for the second year in a row. They've drafted a running back in the second round. Kenneth Walker, who was good last year, uh, is, is nominally the starter, but Zach Char- Charbonnet out of uh, UCLA, is he that much of a talent that they had to spend a second round pick on him when they have other issues they made it needed to address? Yeah, it was, it was an interesting pick, right? And you know, they, they kind of went with a luxury pick in Smith and Jigba uh, to add to the, the Metcalf-Lockett combination. And obviously right. Lockett's getting up there, so it makes sense as a kind of a succession plan. But um, you know, a, a team like this that has needs, you know, going with uh, you know, a receiver and a running back with the first two picks, uh, to me, one speaks to how well they drafted defensively last year, right? I mean, they, yep. they really restocked a defense that badly needed an infusion of talent. And all of a sudden, that looks like one of the better units in the NFC. The the Walker-Charbonnet thing is, is, is going to be uh, really interesting to track, right? I think there was – a lot of people like Charbonnet, but then when he when he went to Seattle on draft night, you know, Twitter is just like, oh, come on, man. Are you serious? Like, we love yeah. Kenneth Walker, too. Now we have to choose between these two guys? Right. Uh, so right. I, I think that ends up being, like, a net frustration more than anything else. Um, I don't think one of those guys runs away with the job, of course, unless there's an injury. I think it ends up being a situation where we look back and say, like, I just I just wish that Charbonnet had landed somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I've taken I took Charbonnet in the uh, Vegas draft when I did the hero running back, did yep. one running back early and I waited to like the seventh round and took a whole string of them. I think Charbonnet is going to get his, his time. I will say I think Seattle wants to run the ball a ton. I think this is yeah. nothing new. We know this about, uh, uh, you know, Pete, Pete Carroll, uh, that this is what he the type of offense he envisions. Walker kind of wore down, remember, last year. Yep. And they to the point where he wasn't practicing every week so they could be right. fresh for games. And the, the drop-off from Walker to the next back was pretty huge. So yep. I think that he had that in mind a little bit. 
Now the question I, yeah. is: Is it going to be a Walker week and then a Charbonnet week? Are they going to are they going to timeshare? I'm curious to see how it works out. Yeah, I think I think you're exactly right about that. And you know, what we do need to keep in mind is they they needed running back depth, right? So it, it yeah. certainly it's frustrating for Charbonnet to land there, but it's like you know m- m- teams aren't just going forward with one featured back anymore. It's not 2004. That's true. Uh, so it, it, it kind of made sense to me on paper where he ended up schedule wise. Uh, pretty favorable start for Seattle. They get the Rams in Week One. They're at Detroit Week Two, which I think is a really fun game. But then it's the Panthers, the Giants, the Bengals, and the Cardinals. So I, I think you have like four really winnable games in that first six. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it could be could be a lot of fun. I, hopefully, it's a ticket to the carnival against Detroit, like it was last year. Uh, that was that was certainly fun. All right, uh, we got uh, two more divisions left. But before we do that, uh, a little bit more business to take care of first from our friends at Reality Sports Online. By now. Most of you have probably heard of Reality Sports Online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to go see what all the buzz in the Dynasty community is about. Free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Think it sounds complicated? It's not. It's the best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Do you think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is the platform to test your mettle. Still not sure? You can test out your general manager skills for free in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use the promo code ROTOWIRE to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fancy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. We are also sponsored by the good, our good friends at Fantrax. For you fantasy football players out there, is there something you wish your fantasy league had or features that are missing from your current leagues? Bonus scoring, custom schedules or playoffs, deeper team settings? Well, look no further because we have you covered with our friends at Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy, fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty keeper redraft and best ball leagues create or join a fantasy football commissioner league, invite your friends and dominate your draft this season. Fantrax is the top fantasy dynasty football, fantasy football platform in the industry coming from another service. Not a problem. Fantrax can easily import any of your current leagues and rosters and customize if needed ever have a trade go wrong or make a mistake in dropping a player. Fantrax Commissioner Tools allow you to undo any move with one simple click. Is there anything lacking in your current Fantasy League manager? Fantrax likely has it. Fantrax is running a special promotion you don't want to miss. Sign up for free at Fantrax.com slash Rotowire today to enter for your chance to win tickets for any regular season NFL game for you and your entire league. Plus $6,000 in spending cash. That's right. Tickets for your entire league. Simply create a new league or bring over your existing leagues for more chances to win. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. All right, thank you for your indulgence on those. Let's move on. We got one more division left here, Nick. Uh, What do we got from the AFC South? Coincidentally, we have saved America's division for last. And we will dig in on the Indianapolis Colts first. How long until Anthony Richardson starts? Is it week one? Is it week two? Is it week four? Is it week eight? 
Uh, that matters, right? Because a lot of people yeah. are drafting Anthony Richardson like he's going to start week one. I think that is a distinct possibility, but every week matters in that scenario, right? I mean, if, if they try to ride Gardner Minshew, ease him into action, and Anthony Richardson starts 12 games versus 17 games, that is a huge difference for the bottom line. So to me, that's, that's the obvious number one. When you take a quarterback uh, that high in the draft, especially this specific quarterback who feels like a boom bust, um, it's hard to start anywhere else. But this is a team that has you know a lot of questions, right? Jonathan Taylor being drafted as if he's going to have a bounce back year. I tend to be in that camp, but I think that's also tethered to the offensive line, taking a big step forward. It felt like this is a line that was coasting on reputation for the last couple of years. And then like midway through last season, everybody's like, wait, I think this offensive line is actually really bad now. And, you know, they, they kind of need to get back to where they were two, three years ago. Uh, you look at the, the wide receiver core and, you know, Michael Pittman carried a ton of upside into last year was one of the biggest quarterback victims. Uh, I think in all of football yeah. last year, that could still be the case this season. And he's now being drafted as such. Uh, you know, we'll see what, what they have at Alec Pierce. Another guy, it felt like we didn't really get a fair evaluation of last season. After that, it's just kind of a lot of bit guys, Josh Downs, Isaiah McKenzie, Ashton Doolin, uh, not, not players who are really all that concerned about for fantasy purposes. And then the other player that I wanted to highlight is Jelani Woods, who I thought looked really good in spurts last year. He had that big game against Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, had a, a multi-touchdown game early. I think it was the, the upset against Kansas City week two or week three. Uh, I thought he showed some flashes last year, you know, mm-hmm. not enough where you're, you're like, you know, planning your draft around Jelani Woods, but somebody I have some interest in, you know, late as a, as a tight end too. I mean, yeah, and just this team, it's not going to be a clown show this year. I mean, I, I, I don't think we can emphasize this enough. I mean, what a disgrace of a team it was last year. You know, oh, we're going to – Jim Irsay says we have to start Sam Ellinger. Okay, let's start Sam Ellinger. Okay, now we're going to bring in this guy that's only coached high school before in Jeff Saturday. You know, all-time Colts, great, but not a head coach and not knowing some of, like, the timeout rules and things like that at the end of games. Sure, they played hard for a little bit, but, I mean, it was, it was just a – it was kind of a joke of an organization last year and I, you know, just having a normal year. I mean, you know, you expect that out of commanders, you expect that out of Daniel Snyder. You don't expect, I guess you should have, yeah. I guess Jim Mercy is cut out of that cloth, I suppose too, but it'll be a normal year. I think we'll see. It'll be a more normal year, right? I, yeah. I don't think you could top the, the chaos that was the Saturday hiring and you know, people forget they did beat the Raiders that first game, which was like one of the worst, uh, Losses of all time, I thought by by Las Vegas, but and then we saw Vegas play the rest of the season out too. (laughs) Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. Right. Well, yeah, I think that was that should have been like the number one alarm uh, on on the Vegas Raiders season. But no, you're right. You're right overall. And I will say, if you know, if Ursay continues to exert his influence, my guess is that he'll want to see Richardson sooner than later. Exactly right. Um, All right, let's go. Let's go to Houston. I'm saving the Jags for last. We'll we'll go to Houston. Of course. It's all about C.J. Stroud, right? I think he, he's he been talked about, I think, the least of all the, the first-round quarterbacks. Uh, but, you know, I think he's walking into a pretty clear and obvious situation. Uh, you know, they're, they're in a longer-term rebuild, so I don't think there's extreme pressure on him to be great right away. But, you know, you also want to see it in year one. There's not a lot of quarterbacks who come out, really struggle in year one, and then, you know, turn into an elite player after that. So I think we, we need to see flashes out of C.J. Stroud. Um, you know, Damian Pierce is in an interesting situation. Felt like a, a nice hit last season, but you yep. know, tech for a, a difficult team to evaluate. Could he kind of sustain that in year two? Um, and then, you know, I think when you look at the wide receiver core, do you have any real interest there, uh, you know, outside of Nico Collins, who is somebody that, you know, a fun player to draft in like the middle late rounds. But after that, it's Robert Woods. It's John Mechie, who's a great college player, obviously had the, the was it lymphoma or leukemia, mm-hmm. something like that. So he's coming back from, from something serious. And, you know, beyond that, you, know, you just got like bad and creative players and Dalton Schultz. So, um, you know, I, I think in, in some ways, you know, you look at this roster, it's not super talented. CJ Stroud's not walking into 
like a perfect situation, but I do think developmentally um, like that this team should kind of progress with him, right? He's not going to be asked to do a ton right away. Yeah. I, I think it's a similar situation to Carolina where, sure. you know, you got your elite QB draft prospect, but you need to build around him. And right. I'm staying away from Schultz at the price. I, I think yeah. it's going to be a big drop off. I am in on Nico Collins. I, I like, uh, I think Nico is pretty suave. I'm going to go with, go that route. Oh, um, sorry, sorry. I'm not sorry. I'll do it again. Don't worry. Um, but I, I just recently moved up Collins and my uh, rankings. And the other thing is even with cooks there, he was productive last year. Now cooks is yep. gone. Collins is the guy they clicked well at OTAs and mini camp. I, I do think Collins has just got to stay healthy, but I think there's, there's yeah. reason for hope for him. Yeah. I think he's somebody where you just, you kind of buy the talent, right. And you say, okay, I, I think he's talented enough. And I, I think he's clearly the number one guy in the offense. Um, and you kind of trust him to figure it out from there. Let's go to Tennessee. Uh, mm-hmm. the DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Tennessee Titans, uh, for me, you know, when do the Will Levis calls start coming, right? I, I don't think he's a guy like uh, like Richardson or like Stroud who you're, you're talking about starting week one. But if, these, if this team gets off to any sort of sluggish start, you know, that's going to happen. We, we see it every time there's a situation like this. Um, you know, kind of feels like Tannehill's on his way out already. Can he, can he make it through this season as a starting quarterback? I think that is a, a big-time question for Tennessee. And then the other thing, as I alluded to at the top of the show, are we being overly aggressive in predicting – a Derrick Henry downfall that has not come yet, right? I mean, he was the number one back in standard leagues, number four in PPR last year on a per game basis, number three, number four in total value. So that fall off has not happened yet. It's almost like he's being drafted as if he had a down year last season. I don't really feel like that was the case. Um, you know, if, if Ryan Tannehill remains the starter, it's kind of status quo. If it's Will Levis, maybe there's a bit more downside, but um, I, I guess I feel like I'm in the minority here. Like I, I'm willing to jump ADP for Derrick Henry. And it, look, if this is a year that, Everything falls off a cliff. Either he slows down or he gets hurt. I'll have to live with that. But I, I, I just think he's become a really good value, right? Everybody's like, he's being drafted like he's 32 years old. Yeah. Uh, so injuries have happened more. I think, Yeah. you know, isn't that part of it? I mean, you know, in 2021, he missed half the season. Uh, last year, he averaged, you know, you know, before the foot injury, he was averaging over five yards a carry. It was 4.4 last year, 4.3 after the foot injury, uh, last, you know, even less after the foot injury. The cumulative 2021 is 4.3. Uh, so I, I think there is a little bit of a, a backslide there, at least in health. And, you know, I I think this is going to be a disaster in terms of the offensive line's not that great. I, I think Tannehill is going to be pretty bad. I, By the way, I think this – I wanted Hopkins to sign anywhere but Tennessee. You, you know, I, know. I, I think this really limits Hopkins. But it also delays – Tannehill getting replaced too right because I, I i don't i think they would have like without hop d hop there i think they snap called a levis whenever you know things when the milk goes yeah. bad now i think they try to drag it out a little bit longer yeah i think that's fair i mean uh, it, it's a really frustrating landing spot for fantasy that's for sure i mean it, it makes yeah. them a better team i guess but it also says a lot that like the win total didn't change you know the futures odds barely moved when they when that news broke uh, over the weekend. So I, I don't think there's a belief that all of a sudden, you know, that really changes their trajectory. And, you know, the last thing I'll say on Henry is, you know, we can quibble about the yards per carry. I, I get that, you know, it's, it's, you know, kind of a, he's basically down a full yard per carry from where he was in that 2020 season when he topped 2000 yards, but I just think the volume is still going to be there, right? Like I, I don't know that Hopkins alone makes this team like a productive passing offense. Like even if mm-hmm. he's only getting you 4.2 yards per carry, I think he's going to carry it enough that um, he's still going to be a workhorse in fantasy. Like I, I guess I, I kind of view him more like I do, you know, like Adrian Peterson, right. Where it's like, he's, he's just kind of in his own uh, lane when it comes to like the, the type of physical specimen that he is. And there are, there are other running backs, you know, coming off of a foot injury 
uh, two years ago that I'd be more concerned about, but it's like Derrick Henry just doesn't operate by normal human physical standards. I think everybody breaks sometime. Um, yeah. And Earl Campbell fizzled out pretty early in his career and yeah. I can't help but make that comp. Fair. Uh, so, uh, and, and D hop, by the way, I think also has a, a little Andre Johnson in him too. I'm a little worried oh, yeah. about the, the drop off there too. And I think there's, I think it's pretty telling that contenders weren't falling all over themselves to get him. Yep. that the Arizona couldn't get a trade done at all. Like not even for like a sixth or seventh round pick. Right. Uh, so I think that that's all pretty uh, telling there. All right. How about America's team, Jacksonville Jaguars? What do we got for them? You, you know, I have just a, a long list of notes here, but I think for me, the the number one question is, was it, or I shouldn't say, was it a mistake? How big of a mistake will it be to it's essentially ignore what I thought were glaring holes in the defensive backfield and on the offensive line? Um, yeah. I, I think this team, you know, they made marginal improvements. They did take an offensive lineman with their first pick, but he's considered, you know, one of the more raw prospects, a guy who's really physically impressive, still has some technique uh, that he needs to learn. Uh, you know, can they actually, you know, take the step forward that they want to take, which is not winning this division. Like I, it, it's a disaster if they don't win the AFC South and that's just because of right. the quality of the other three teams, but did they really improve their chances of beating Buffalo, beating Cincinnati, beating Kansas city, it, it, you know, running it back with essentially the same skill position group plus Calvin Ridley. That's fine with me. I, I think they did a great job with, with some, what seemed like questionable free agency signings last year, you know, Christian Kirk hit Evan Ingram, who they just signed to an extension yesterday. That looks like a hit. So I, I have no issues with that. I don't think they needed to like go out and, you know, be a DeAndre Hopkins team or anything like that. But I think infrastructure wise, there's still some major questions, you know, defensively, they don't really have any stars. You know, you have a lot of like good players, but you know, can, can anybody from that group, was it, if it's a Luicon, if it's Tyson Campbell, if it's Trayvon Walker, Josh Allen, can any of those guys become like a true top 10 player at their position? Uh, because right now they, they just have an, an okay defense. And, you know, ultimately again, that's probably enough to win you the AFC South, but is it enough to propel you into that next level in what's going to be just a ridiculously competitive AFC East or AFC AFC conference, excuse me. I'm not sure that it is. So I, I think this is going to be a fun season. It's the first time in like my life, basically that the Jags are going into a year with high expectations. But to me, it feels like their ceiling is kind of similar to where it was last year. Yeah. I, you alluded to it. The offensive line is always my, you know, what I think is the hidden underbelly, not even hidden, but it's, it's such a, you know, foundational piece and it can be overlooked so many times. Cam Robinson might be suspended. They lost Juwan Taylor. I think that's a loss. I think that's a pretty bad loss. That's a loss. That's a loss. Um, I don't know if they adequately replace that there. You might have a rookie starting at left tackle right away. Right. And we'll see that in the NFL, that often is uh, is tricky uh, to handle if, unless right. it's, he happens to be an elite one. Um, right. we'll well, about that. It's one of those things where if like, if you could just turn injuries off, like I used to do on Madden 2004, right. Uh, then everything's fine, I think. But it's like they're they're so shallow at, at a lot of key positions, right? And those injuries are going to come. It's the NFL. That happens every single year to every single team. So I, I just – I don't know that they've adequately prepared uh, for some of those contingencies. And then, of course, you know, with Ridley, we have to mention that the guy has not played since week seven of 2021. And, you know, I, I think a, a lot of the early indications have been positive. But it's not it's not just a given that after taking more than a year and a half off, um, he's, he's just the same guy. I think he's a worthy gamble. Um, yeah. and I, I think at the price, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go for that there. Mm -hmm. Let's go to the NFC, but South, um, and go maybe if it's not the AFC South, the NFC South, I think the NFC South is worse than the AFC South as a collective whole, mm. uh, this year. So, uh, we'll start off with, uh, the Atlanta Falcons, any Kyle Pitts truthers out there after a disastrous season last year. And not all on pits, but maybe a little bit on pits, but also coming back from a major injury. He was limited in uh, workouts this off season. They, you know, they uh, 
they added Bijan Robinson. They're they're quadrupling down on their run first mentality. What can we possibly expect out of Kyle Pitts? Uh, is it worth a premium draft spot? Well, you might not have to take him with a premium draft spot, which is the nice thing, right? It's like you're at least you're not feeling like you're reaching and kind of breaking the bank for Kyle Pitts like you were last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, average pick of 71 right now in NFFC drafts. That's still tight end five. I mean, he's basically dead even with Dallas Goddard for the tight end five, tight end six battle. Um, but going, you know, markedly, you know, well over, you know, basically two rounds, uh, a round and a half, I should say, behind George Kittle, well behind Hawkinson, obviously Andrews and Kelsey. Uh, so the nice thing is, if you're a believer, you know, you don't necessarily have to stake your entire team on Kyle Pitts. Uh, but that also speaks to, I think, the, just how quickly tight end depth or reliable tight ends dry up outside of that top four. Um, you know, to me, we, we mentioned Atlanta, you know, in context with Washington, it's, it's all about how much you trust Ritter, right? I mean, if, if you think yeah. Desmond Ritter could be a decent quarterback, then by all means, buy in on Kyle Pitts, by all means, buy in on Drake London. Um, but if, you know, we, we saw a very limited sample. We have not seen Ritter and Pitts together yet, uh, which is a, a huge question mark for me. Um, so it all comes down to the quarterback, right? I, that's, maybe yep. that's oversimplifying it, but it, it really does uh, when, when it comes to Atlanta. And I mean, they have a, a super fun group of skill position players, right? I mean, Robinson, London, Pitts is, is like a, a dream scenario when you're talking about guys who are, you know, first, second, third year skill Alphas, position players. Yeah. But it, I just, it, it doesn't matter if, you're, if your quarterback is the 28th best at his position. Exactly. Over under wins in Vegas on the Falcons is at eight and a half. I, you know, part of that is the division, right? Um, yeah. You know, you, you feel like at worst you're like splitting with the rest of those teams, but I, I, I think I would lean under. I'd lean under. We had a robust debate on the Falcons at the Roto, the LA version of the Rotowire Steak League dinner on Friday night. Chris List took uh, the Falcons in our little team draft, and then uh, we have a straight up bet: Falcons versus Saints. Another straight up bet: uh, Falcons versus. Uh, Oh God! Now I, I ruined the whole co- the whole conversation here by forgetting about it there. But yep. uh, Commanders, Falcons versus Commanders, uh, straight up bets. Chris Liss on the side of the Falcons on both. Um, I, I was surprised that it was eight and a half. To be honest with you, I thought it should have been like seven yeah. and a half. Uh, but they, they I don't have think a, their defense is that good. No, I, I don't think so either. Um, but they do have a pretty favorable schedule. I mean, the division yeah. is one thing, but um, you know, as far as like one of their kind of rotational out of division games, they get the Commanders. Uh, that that's a very winnable one. Um, the 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 Buccaneers, uh, obviously, they get twice. They get the Saints twice. They get the Panthers twice. Uh, they get the AFC South and the NFC North. You know, which which are you know the AFC South is probably the second worst division in football, and then you know the NFC North. It's like yeah, I guess you're, you're not going to feel great about the Lions game, but Green Bay, Chicago, Minnesota, those those all feel like very beatable teams for Atlanta. Yeah. Carolina Panthers, number one overall pick. They traded up to go get Bryce Young, but what does he have to work with? No DJ Moore, no Deonta Foreman, as we alluded to. Uh, they, they brought in some guys, but they're always like, the, it's like the second tier guys at like every single position, I feel yeah. like. They don't have that one playmaker for him. Right. Uh, they, they've got Miles Sanders, who they signed as a free agent. Uh, you know, Eagles were more than happy letting you go. Adam Thielen, who seems like on the decline. DJ Chark. Another guy that wasn't even able to break through, even with uh, Jamison Williams out in Detroit. He was hurt a lot in his own right. Hayden Hurst, you know, a solid year with the Bengals. I was unhappy when he left, but all these guys are like, none of these guys are like rainmakers. No. Well, I mean, we haven't talked about LaVisca Chenault, who is technically still on this haven't. roster. That's true. Uh, yeah. you know, or the, Jonathan the ultimate Mingo. Rainmaker. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, much like Houston, much like Indy, uh, I mean, this is a – it all comes down to the quarterback, right? I mean, this mm-hmm. is a – you could go 3-14, and 14, but if Bryce Young looks great in the majority of those games, it's a successful season for Carolina. Um, but I, I think your assessment of the rest of the skill position guys is, is spot on. I, I actually – 
kind of working the margins like they did. I, I, I liked the Miles Sanders edition a lot. I, I didn't love the Thielen edition. I just feel like he's he's kind of washed at this point. This feels like like Blake Griffin going to the Pistons uh, type of thing. Uh, Hayden Hurst to me was a, a nice budget signing. So like I, I think they they did what they could. I think they know that there's no reason to like go all in when you have a rookie quarterback. I think you got to get that sorted out first before you try to map out the rest of your franchise. But the one thing that Bryce Young has that Anthony Richardson doesn't, and certainly CJ Stroud doesn't, is he has a really good defense on the other side, right? So I, I don't think, you know, they're not going to be asking Bryce Young necessarily to go score 30 points every game. I think he's, he might not have like the greatest pieces around him in yeah. year one, but I think he at least has the defense to fall back on. I agree. And they actually buffeted that defense as well via free agency. They went out and signed Von Bell, for instance, yep. um, you know, stealing him from my Bengals. But I was really disappointed on that one there. Brian Burns is a huge part of that defense. We'll see what he brings to the table in year two. Uh, or not year two, but in this year after, uh, you know, getting hurt a little bit last yeah. la- I mean, last JC year. Horn, too. JC Horn's played 16 total games through two years. That, that's another one to watch very co- closely there. But uh, yeah, be interesting. I mean, hey, if they, they're bad for one more year, it wouldn't be the worst possible thing. They get their version of Jamar Chase in the draft next year. It would be nice to pair them up. Um, that, that is a formula that could work. So we'll see uh, what happens there. New Orleans Saints. Nick, this is a team I struggle to understand uh, I, in a lot of different ways. Like, I don't understand what they're doing necessarily. Uh, I don't understand what we can expect from a lot of the key players. Let's Let's start off uh, with the decision to go get Derek Carr uh, and spend big bucks on him. Is he that? I don't think he's bad. Uh, I, I think he's probably an upgrade over what they had at quarterback last season. Um, you know, LASIK Jameis is still on this roster. I think he was supposed to be the guy last year, got hurt immediately, and it was just uh, mm-hmm. you know, kind of low upside after that. So I, I view it as an upgrade. And, you know, we could say we don't know what this team is doing, and yet they're fairly heavy favorites to win this division. And they're plus 120 right now. Get Atlanta two fifteen, Carolina four to one, Tampa Bay who we haven't talked about yet at eight to one. Uh, so they're they're in the driver's seat, you know, despite kind of having this confusion direction. I mean, they're they're, they're the team that just refuses to fully rebuild, right? Uh, you would think, you know, someone like Sean Payton and Drew Brees going out the door, it's like, all right, this is our chance to reset, and they just they just continue to kick the can down the road and don't want to do that. They, they, I, yeah. I respect it in some ways, um, but you know, at some point there, there's going to be a teardown coming. It's not happening this year. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how the, the Camara situation sorts out. I think that's kind of a, a free space one that we have to mention. Chris Olave, everybody loves him in year two. And, you know, Michael Thomas, if you, if you want to go down that road and you know, have him on your team for the five games that he's active, be my guest. I uh, was on my that, list. Yep. Right. Beyond that, it's Rashid Shahid. It's Traquan Smith. Uh, that's about it in, in that receiving core. So uh, if nothing else, I think that actually pushes me even more toward, uh, you know, wanting to draft Chris Olave on more of my teams. Yeah, but Olave dealt with an Achilles thing over the uh, yeah. OTAs and minicamp there. Yep. Uh, Michael Thomas, you know, how many? Yeah, what do you expect out of him, Kamara? How many games does he get suspended? Uh, are you in on Jamal Williams being the goal line vulture again? Does Taysom Hill just continue to annoy the crap out of us? Uh, and uh, you know, lots of things. I just don't. Mm-hmm. Saints, I don't understand. I just they're tough. Yeah. Um, they are. Yeah. All right. Last and probably least. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you you know, sometimes we say last but not least this time it might be least. Uh, Okay. Let's start with this quarterback situation. Kyle Trask or Baker Mayfield. I mean, Baker Mayfield was the last quarterback drafted in our, my Scott fishbowl league and it's super flex league. So every quarterback starting quarterback gets drafted. I'm guessing he is the starter. Can he support Evans and can, and Godwin for the prices that they're going at? Well, you're getting him at a significant discount. I think Evans especially is the guy who I've usually found myself grabbing just because it, it you know, maybe there's kind of a, you know, paying for past production uh, corollary going on there. But he, I mean, he's wide receiver 33 
right now. Jeff. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is why oh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's going like 20 picks later than someone like Christian Watson, who I, I think has a similarly scary quarterback situation. And yes, it feels like there's a lot more upside with Jordan love and that's probably right. But um, I, I mean, at some point the talent's going to win out. I don't think Mike Evans is to that point where I feel like he's washed up. I mean, last year was kind of a worst case scenario for Mike Evans. And, you know, had it not been for uh, that huge game at the end of the season against Carolina, 10 for 207 and three touchdowns, it would have looked a lot worse. Um, So I think we have to keep that in mind. I mean, it it felt like he totally bottomed out and still had an 1100 yard season. But my question is going from Tom Brady to whether it's Mayfield or Trask, what are we looking at in terms of volume? Because as disastrous as, as this offense was stuck in the mud, I mean, they were like one of the worst teams to watch just as a football fan last year. It was maddening. Their third downs, they were horrible. They still led the NFL in pass attempts by a mile. I mean, they were one of only two teams to attempt 700 passes last season. Tom Brady was second in the NFL in passing yards behind Patrick Mahomes. So as frustrating as it was, as low scoring as this team was, in PPR leagues, you know, Godwin and, and to a lesser degree, Evans were still really, really productive. Going from Brady to Baker Mayfield, how much does this offense change in terms of just right. pure volume in the passing game? Well, I mean, there were 700 attempts, but they were all six yards. Um, yeah. I mean, it was, it's, it, was, it was one of those things that was super frustrating if you had Evans because he's a downfield guy. Exactly. Um, and that, that's the thing that made, made it worse. And then, of course, he had that hideous drop against Carolina. That whole game goes differently, right. but for that. Um, there, there's a lot of coulda, shoulda, wouldas out there when it comes to the Bucs. And, you know, I, I, you know I, I, I think – those two specifically, you can still draft. I think, especially for the price for Evans, I'm 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 in on that price. I'm in on the price of Rashad, Rashad White too. By the way, yeah. um, with Fournette gone, Fournette right. also unsigned. We don't we. It's the first time we mentioned Fournette all all, all pod here, and you know oh, we yeah. talked about Elliott and Cook and where they haven't landed. Fournette has something left in the tank, and it's it's amazing to me that he yeah. just there's no buzz on him. But Rashad White should get a lot of catches. I think he should get a lot of just total touches. And I understand that they they might be trailing and it's a bad offensive line, but as long as he's involved in the passing game, I don't really care. Yeah, no, I think I think you're spot on about that. I mean, we should mention that Evans and Godwin finished 17th and 19th respectively in, in PPR yeah. last year. So I mean, if even if like 80 percent of the volume is there, I, I think there's some bounce back upside for Mike Evans. Like yeah, he's I agree. going, you know, he's going like 16 wide receiver spots below that. Um, I mean, he still had more catches last year than he'd had in any year since like 2018. Um, so even though there were a lot of them were like four yards when you need eight on third down, um, that still gives you a point in PPR league. So you got to keep that exactly. in mind. And on Fournette, you're right. I mean, there's it's all this talk about Dalvin Cook and Zeke and where those guys are going to land. Fournette's going to land somewhere, man. Um, I mean, he's, he's going to make an impact. I think he New England to me is the team I would watch with Fournette. He just he just kind of seems like a patriot at this point. I, don't, I feel like he's entering his like LeGarrette Blunt era. <laughs> you very well might be. And yeah. yeah, that is what, you know, Dalvin's been mentioned there as well. So yep. does that make you want to? draft uh stevenson a little less at the going uh, rate i mean a little bit I, I actually just read like a half hour ago that the pats are are now the, the betting favorites to land dalvin cook not that that means a whole lot but they they knew they need depth right i mean beyond stevenson yeah. it's ty montgomery and pierre strong so like they're an obvious team to add somebody and yeah i mean if, if whether it's fournette or certainly if it's dalvin cook that would make me feel worse uh, about who I, I can't get this out of my head i know on the radio show last year jeff we had somebody call in and pronounce it ramador stevenson Oh. So I, that's just how I, that's just how I, I always read it now. Ramador Stevenson. Why not? Um, and, but I love him so much as a player that like, I almost don't want them to have a, a key depth piece like Fournette. Right. But that, that's kind of a hanky little zone there right after, you know, you got Jacobs, Stevenson, yep. Najee Harris, Jameer Gibbs, Brees Hall, all in that grouping there. Yep. All, all reasons that you could be a little squeamish, a little squishy on the, uh, the asking price, but you know what? 
we'll we'll delve into all that. We got future podcasts here. We did go we did go the full hour and a half as we you know ninety four minutes, not sixty four. Look, man, Sorry, we knew we, we knew what was going to happen. Yeah, we did too. Um, but hey, guys, thanks for everybody for listening. Uh, thanks to all of our uh, sponsors for chiming in. We appreciate you guys. Uh, thank and thank yeah. We'll, we'll name them by name, which is just our sponsors. But thanks to Circa, thanks to Reality Sports Online uh, and Fantrax, and of course Blue Wire Network. Thanks to you guys for listening. Nick and I will be back at you every Monday through the Super Bowl. So thanks for tuning in. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.